Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Lag Radio, your weekly source of video game appreciation, chiptune idolatry, super sweet giveaways, and so very much more. On the show this evening, we're going to be covering episode 13 for Stardew Valley. It is an indie darling. It was very, very well received and for very good reason. Uh, it was made by Concerned Ape, which uh, happens to be just one human being. Somehow this game was made by one human being. All, all the things, the art, the soundtrack, everything. I'm super excited to talk about the development history, the story of how Eric Baroni came to make the game, what inspired him, and of course go through the gameplay elements, the soundtrack itself, the whole deal. So uh, we're going to be getting to that shortly. If you want to call in and uh, just kind of chat, you can feel free to, 949-824-5824, 949-UCI-KUCI. You can check us out on our various different social media outlets. Facebook.com slash lagliferadio is one of them. Uh, Twitter.com slash lagliferadio is another. My Instagram is at DJ double underscore marmar. You can go to our main website, lagradio.kuci.org, and finally, you can go and watch me live right now via twitch.tv slash djmarmar. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to do the whole thing on there, too, for the future episodes. Now, we're going to be getting into the music first before we do anything else, before we do any giveaway, before we do any, uh, any talk about the gameplay elements the history all that i want to get right into the music first to set the stage get the the feels going so we're going to open with stardew valley's overture and after that we're going to listen to spring it's a big world outside all of these songs like i mentioned are concerned apes so look forward to the entire soundtrack joining us for this evening again call in 949-824-5824 if you wish later on the giveaway is going to be for a super cool stardew valley fair poster it's the official merch uh, from Fangamer, uh, they decided to to put out a number of different Stardew Valley-related uh, objects for your purchase enjoyment. So I'm going to be giving one of those away to the lucky listener who calls in at the right time when I tell you to later on. So feel free to stay on until then. All right, without further ado, let's get into the music. Stardew Valley, episode 13 of Lag Radio. Thank you so much for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar here, the mid-boss, of course, with... Flag Radio. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar the Midboss here with Lag Radio, and we are discussing Stardew Valley. So uh, we're going to be getting right into the history and development of the game first because it is quite the tale, and it's actually really good. I, I really like this story because it it's, I don't know, you'll see, you'll see. He, uh, basically, the creator of this game, Concerned Ape, uh, is not a team. It is not a giant studio out in, in Seattle or Vancouver or, or in Japan or anything. It is one singular human being, and his name is Eric Baroni. And he started development of Stardew Valley in around 2011 or so, after he started to realize that his beloved Harvest Moon video game series had kind of taken a turn for the worse. So ever since Back to Nature, Harvest Moon Back to Nature, it kind of just didn't really, it lost its way. It didn't have the same appeal that it once had. It wasn't such a focus on the farming anymore. It was more of a focus on um, other sorts of sorts of things, like Animal Parade. There's animals. They are parading. But I don't know. I don't know. There's there's some weird stuff in some of the Harvest Moon games later on. But the originals, uh, the original for the Super Nintendo, 
the PlayStation 1 Back to Nature, I think it was. I think that was the PlayStation 1 one. And uh, Harvest Moon 64 were solid entries in the series. And so he wanted to kind of make something as an homage to that, but a game that he wanted to play in the modern day era. And uh, so, yeah, basically he did what every truly admirable kind of creative or business oriented folk would do, which is if you know what you want, but you don't see it out there on the market, then make it yourself. So without any background in making video games whatsoever, uh, basically only had a, a degree in computer science, I believe it was, he just decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this game by myself from scratch. He was like, why not me? And I think that that's a mindset that a lot of people don't think about enough. They, they don't adopt that mindset of tenacity and optimism. Just think, you know, why, what is preventing me from becoming the person or creating what I want to create? You know, when it came to pixel art and other things that he said he had very, very little experience in, he just dove in, he did his best. And as time went on, he started to get better at those things through literally hundreds and hundreds of hours of practice. He cited working 10 to 12 hour long days, seven days a week for almost five years. Okay, crazy amounts of time that he put into this. And that's, of course, necessary because he was the sole force behind the entire game. You know, from art to the coding to the soundtrack, even to quality assurance testing and everything, he was not uh, aided pretty much at all until just the last few minutes or weeks, I guess, basically the last few minutes of the development cycle. Interestingly, the entire game was built on an HP Pavilion desktop from Costco, and he only really upgraded his rig until months after the release of the game. So, yeah, he made this really, really impressive game on quite the uh, bare-bones setup. And I, I like that a lot because it, again, just proves a lot of people get too caught up when they're trying to be creative and trying making their own things. They get too caught up with... You know, I need to have just the right equipment or else it's going to suck. It's going to be terrible. And why? what's even the point of doing it if I'm not, you know, perfect, if I don't have all of the equipment set up? So uh, I like that a lot. I like that message because, yeah, we can do things with very, very little. I think you'd be surprised yourself. So Baroni wanted to, when he was kind of thinking about the game and, and how he wanted to change it from, um, when, he was, when he wanted to make a game, for himself. He was thinking he wanted there to be a spotlight on how normal people, just everyday human beings, have some really important personal issues and they don't need to be on such a grand epic scale that a lot of video games tend to have these days. You know, the world isn't going to end uh, if you don't harvest your crops, right? So the, the whole point of this game is to kind of bring it a little more focused person-centric, I guess you could say. Uh, a little more person-centric, a little more personal, and not have such a grand epic sort of tale, some sort of narrative in there. He wanted it to be something that makes it a little more relatable, something that hits closer to home. And you can just, even from the opening of the game, which we'll talk about later on in the, the little story section, the little sort of story blurb that I'll do later on, it's it's definitely something more, more relatable and more close to home. Now, Baroni himself was a big gamer in... Uh, you know, the the early days, I guess, of gaming, you could say. Back in the day when there was the NES, there was the Intellivision and ColecoVision and all that. So Super Nintendo was his jam, though. Super Nintendo was his jam. So stuff like Chrono Trigger, stuff like Earthbound were amongst his favorites. And uh, although those were very important, really it was Harvest Moon that stuck with him. And I think that the reason why is because he liked the the philosophy behind it. So the man who created the Harvest Moon series, he cited the reason why he made it 
is because in, in those days, there were a lot of action-oriented things, side-scrolling, platformers, and whatnot, and he just wanted something different than, any, than anything else that anyone was putting out at the time. And he came across the idea of making a farming simulator, the first one. So uh, Baroni himself had heard some horror stories, of course, as many of us that play video games know. There's a lot of horror stories about what it's like to work in the games industry. You know, there's a very, very low pay especially for an indie developer. There's very high work stress load. And he his decision to major in computer science didn't really grant him a whole lot after graduation, unfortunately. So uh, after graduation, there were really no any real job prospects to for him to fall into. No one really seemed to want him. Maybe, I don't know. He, he wasn't totally sure what it was keeping people from, from wanting his uh, his workmanship so he decided that he would start in the meantime while waiting for a job trying to trying to get a job he would instead decide to work on skills so some sort of skills to better him as a human being and one of those was how to code video games so specifically he learned c sharp so that eventually because video games were something that he loves eventually he would be able to utilize it and uh be have it released on the xbox xna platform and so that was kind of the starts of indie games being available on consoles the xna platform for the xbox 360 i believe it was so note that he may have been totally new to these skills but it didn't mean that he was going to ask people for help he cited himself as basically as the last thing that he wanted to do was ask anyone for help so the entire time four and a half years of developing this game Never once did he consult strangers online for their assistance. Never once. He decided to instead just like pour over all of these different forum threads, all these other guides online to teach him what he wanted. He wanted to just work off of a, in, in basically a knowledge base that already existed. So he thought, okay, well, what's the point in asking other people? It's probably out there somewhere online. And so that's what he did. And so it began very, very unassumingly. He slowly was piecing together stuff for a game without any plan necessarily in place. So it's, it was just like a person in a void. And then here's the person on a farm, like a, just a giant empty area. Here's some trees. Here's some livestock. But he'd create a bunch of stuff for the... Uh, he'd create a bunch of stuff for it, the game. And then about 80% in, he would just kind of abandon it. He'd redesign the whole thing and just start over from scratch over and over and over again. And all the extra stuff like townsfolk, combat, etc., that wouldn't be added until much, much later on. Now, we're going to continue on with the story, the development story, in just a moment, but I want to get to some more songs. So uh, we've finished listening to first couple of tracks, Spring, It's a Big World Outside, and Stardew Valley Overture, as well as The Mines, A Flicker in the Deep. But now we're going to listen to Spring, The Valley Comes Alive. So I hope you enjoy this one. It's very uh, energetic and, uh, again, makes me feel very much like spring. So uh, I'm sure you'll you'll agree with me after hearing it as well. Now, 949-824-5824 is the number you're going to want to call, 949-UCI-KUCI, if you want to try and win our giveaway later on. So we're going to be doing a giveaway for a Stardew Valley Fair poster. If you want to see what it looks like, you can either go to fangamer.com or you can check out my Facebook page, facebook.com slash lagliferadio, and I posted a picture on there as well. All right, so without further ado, we're going to get back into the music. Also, if you want to join me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DJ underscore Marmar is where you can find me. You can watch me live doing this, saying what I'm saying right now, and then in between 
In my talking segments, I'll also be interacting with any audience members too. All right, so without further ado, back into the music, Concerned Ape, Eric Baroni's Stardew Valley, Spring the Valley Comes Alive. Enjoy. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. <clears throat> Excuse me here. This is Marmar the Midboss with Lag Radio, and we are discussing Stardew Valley by Concerned Ape, Eric Baroni, and published by Chucklefish in 2016. So we are discussing the history and development. Before I get into that, though, I do want to do a little back announcing. So the song that you just got done listening to was Spring Wild Horse Radish Jam. Before that one was Journey of the Prairie King Overworld. Very interesting uh, particular piece. I'll tell you a little bit of reason why later on in the show. We listened to Cloud Country before that one. And then all the way at the top of this, I was Spring the Valley Comes Alive. So we are going to be discussing the history and development or continuing on with it. So last where we left off was Baroni started work on this game where he just knew nothing. He knew absolutely nothing with regards to game design. And, and he I mean, he's played good games before, but that's about all that he knew. So uh, it it all kind of began very unassumingly, as I said. And he would work for a many, many, many hours, and then he would just decide to scrap it all, build it back up, and and just over and over again, which is unfortunate because you don't make a whole lot of progress when you just like go over the same ground over and over. So, with regards to the pixel art, so I mentioned before, Eric Brody did the entire everything for this game. Yeah, that includes the pixel art. And so with that, he said he put in thousands of hours simply just to get better at the art form itself, just to get better at the craft. And there were a lot of redesigns of the character portraits, for example, as you can see if you want to go to the Stardew Valley Wikia, so not the wiki page, but the Stardew Valley Wikia, uh, ending with the letter A. Yeah, you can go and check out all the different redesigns that happened with the character portraits and designs and how people just went from having like certain hairstyles to different ones and poses would change and... Um, yeah, all sorts of different things. So it's it's interesting to see kind of the chronology of where it went from the the first ideas that he had for for the characters till the end. Now, for months, he said he worked on writing the townsfolk's lines alone, rewriting them over and over again, crafting unique cutscenes to each and every one of them to really get the feel that the world of the game is a living and breathing entity. And I think that that really came across successfully like there's a lot of times where i feel bad i mean maybe this is i don't know if i'd say it's a it's a fact of bad game design but it's a it made me feel bad to farm sometimes and not go into town talk to the townsfolk see what's going on give them some gifts see what's you know just see if there's any different things happening in the town so it really did succeed in feeling like the game world was alive even if you weren't present at the time in the area. Now do note that the development process for this game did have some issues. So uh, and I mean talking in the real world personally for him. His girlfriend slash roommate, whose name I believe was Amber, uh, was not given a whole lot of attention during these four and a half years that Eric was making this game. Uh, she was just kind of struggling to get just enough time to make Eric eat or watch an episode of like Star Trek with her, basically. And on top of a part-time job that he would later have to get, that makes for a one very, very strained relationship. So it, it was understandably difficult for the two of them to make it through. It was very important that they do, though, at least for the game's success and for Eric's 
well-being because during this process he didn't have a job and she was the sole breadwinner in the family so in the household I guess so the fact that she was willing to house her boyfriend for so many years without even asking for any rent is something that's that says a lot about about them and their relationship now they persevered and they're all the, the stronger for it as a result and I think that that obviously in turn affected the gameplay right if if Eric had only been able to work like six hours a day after work in between shifts or something before he'd have to sleep for like two hours three hours or something if that was the case certainly Stardew would have either just been canceled would have just never come out or the quality would have suffered so in a lot of ways Amber is just as much to thank for this game as Eric is and it's crazy because now because the game was so crazy successful, Eric can spend all of his free time just like wherever and whenever he wants, right? He has made so much money off of the game that a traditional job is not a necessity really at all. He has escaped the shackles of corporatism, which is kind of what the main character in Stardew seeks to do in the opening cutscene, which again we'll get to in a little bit. Now after making some of the free updates to the game and plenty of patches, he finally added in the promised multiplayer, right? And that was actually like one of the few things that they had to subcontract out to another party. Um, yeah, and uh, it was something that he had promised early on in the development cycle. And I, I think that there were a lot of people that were clamoring for it to come out. He was like, oh, this is going to be a lot of work. I don't really know if I wanted to necessarily do it. But... Uh, he was a man of his word, and he decided to, to put it out. So the multiplayer is now actually out of beta. It's it's real, it's live, and it's on the PC, and it will be coming to consoles in the near future. I think PS4 and Xbox One has been confirmed for multiplayer. I don't know if the Nintendo Switch version has. But yeah, so there is that. And now that Eric has made the game, pumped out a bunch of updates, plenty of patching like after the release lots and lots of patches and bug fixes that needed to happen there was no way of really seeing those ahead of time and that's when also by the way his days became rather than 10 hour days became like 12 to 14 hour days which is intense um now after all of that is past him he's finally moved on stardew is pretty much done now for him and he's on to his next and second game it's currently still unannounced he won't give a title. He won't give like a general idea of what it's going to be like or about. Um, I don't know. It'll it'll probably take him years for sure. But is it going to be lovingly handcrafted like Stardew? Absolutely, hundred percent. I wouldn't be surprised if Eric decides to continue working just by himself because it's going to be his his child basically. And this time, interestingly enough, because he's gone through Stardew, which was an homage, of course, to Harvest Moon in the series. This next game of his is promised to be something very unique and very specific to what he wants. And he he has mentioned, I think, like probably sticking with the 2D sprite concept that he that he worked off of with Stardew, you know, the 16-bit style era uh, graphics. So probably something like that. But with regards to, is it going to be a platformer? Is it going to be a roguelike? Is it going to be what? He hasn't really said anything yet. So definitely. Definitely stay in tune with Concerned Ape and where he's going because he is, I mean, he's even had an interview with like GQ magazine, which is wild. It's pretty crazy. So yeah, Stardew Valley, Concerned Ape, Eric Peroni is quite, quite an accomplishment. Now, we are just about done here with the history and development of the game cycle. Uh, 
If you want to call in later on in the show, 949-824-5824, you can win a Stardew Valley Fair poster. It's an official merch from the game. It's uh, from Fangamer.com. They they put out the merch itself. And you can also check out a picture on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash lagliferadio. Uh, yeah, feel free to go and see that. You'll be able to win it by calling in when I tell you to a little later on. Additionally, you can check out our other different social media outlets. We've got a Twitter page, Like Life Radio. We've got Instagram, which is at DJ double underscore Marmar. You've got uh, the lagradio.kuci.org playlist page with all the archives of all of our previous shows, all the other games that we have covered in the past. And uh, yeah, we're on Twitch now too. Live at this very moment, twitch.tv slash DJ double underscore Marmar. Or actually, no, single underscore so used to saying double underscore twitch.tv slash dj single underscore marmar you can go and watch me do this and also interact with the uh audience and all you folks uh between scenes so yep feel free to check it out there too so thank you for listening to kuci 88.9 fm in irvine again my name is marmar the mid boss here with lag radio covering eric brony concerned ape chucklefish and stardew valley Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Lag Radio here with me, Marmar the Mid-Boss, here at KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are talking Stardew Valley this evening, a game from Eric Baroni, the Concerned Ape himself. We just got done with the history and development of the game, which is quite the tale, so if you missed any of it, I highly recommend checking out uh, the podcast later on. I'll be uploading to the website, which is lagradio.kuci.org. Let's talk a little bit about the soundtrack, as you've been listening to. Right now, uh, just finished up was Pickle Jar Rag, which is the Haley's theme song. Before that one was Summer Nature's Crescendo. And before that one was Country Shop, which of course I had to play since it's the shop song itself. So, the soundtrack, again, as everything else in this game is, was handcrafted by Eric Baroni himself. Musical composition is what he had the most background in going into this project, having been part of some bands. He's played some guitars, like uh, or played some instruments like the guitar prior to the game's development. So it's kind of no surprise that the soundtrack turns out to be really such a perfect complement to the title as well. Uh, I think that a number of tracks are pretty appropriate with the country feeling that it goes for, you know, out in the countryside, farming and wood and all of that, you know, that pastoral lifestyle. And then there's other times where there's some very, very peaceful, very ambient selections that you can find. Um, you know, a lot of the mine songs I enjoyed a whole lot. Uh, when it's raining, when it's nighttime, those sorts of songs were, were especially good for me. But even better than the soundtrack, in my opinion, was the sound design, all right? The amount of time that he put into the sound design was probably like just about as much as the as the soundtrack, if not more. He worked and created such perfect sounds everywhere. They're so satisfying. Like, this is the thing. It's probably relatively easy to make a just like simple pixely game uh, for, you know, the Super NES style sort of era or the Sega Genesis or NES, that sort of thing. Probably very easy to make some of those things. But when it comes to the sound... I think a lot of games don't get it quite right. It's very empty and hollow feeling. But in Stardew Valley, 
Clearly, a lot of work was put into the accuracy and the feel. The thud of the pickaxe to the rocks that you hit in there, the axe itself to the wood when you're chopping down trees, the slashing of a sickle on the grass. Everything carries a really good heft, a really good weight that to me is very pleasing to the ear. Even when you pick up items, it's, a, it's actually still a pretty pleasing song or sound. So generally, I think amongst all of my favorite things, I love a lot of things about this game, but the sound design has got to be one of my favorites. It reminded me actually of a movie I saw recently, relatively recently, uh, Dunkirk. I don't know if you know of it. It's a, it's a uh, Christopher Nolan film. It was one of the Best Picture nominees this past year. But story critiques of that movie aside, the sound design was absolutely unbelievable. It, like, floored me when you're sitting in the theater and probably also the same if you're listening to it via, um, you know, headphones or something. But just, like, making you really feel like you were on the beaches of France in, like, in the midst of World War II. It was just this outstanding sound design. So uh, Stardew is kind of like the Dunkirk to me of uh, of games. Of course, also the substance is... is up there as well so that's what i've got to say pretty much about the soundtrack i guess one critique of the game i do have is part of the soundtrack too in that coming out of about 30 hours with the game i don't feel like i can just think up like what's my favorite song what is the melody like i just there's nothing that's a that's an earworm to me you know nothing that gets stuck in my head as a, as a tune or a melody that's just like, bam, that's, that's Stardew Valley. That's the only thing I can really, really critique on, on this particular part. So um, that's not to say anything about the quality of the songs, just like their, I guess, catchiness in a way. Yeah, that's about it. All right, so we're going to get into some more music shortly. Uh, we're also going to be doing a giveaway later on the show, so make sure that you call in when I tell you to. 949-824-5824-949. UCI, okay, UCI is always the number you want to call. If you want to just talk to me, if you want to make a request, uh, you know, a particular song from the Stardew Valley soundtrack, perhaps, I'd be happy to entertain that as well. Got a host of different social media outlets that I have mentioned before, but I'll mention again. Instagram is at DJ double underscore Marmar. Facebook.com slash Lag Life Radio. Twitter is at Lag Life Radio. And we are streaming right now on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DJ underscore Marmar as well. And I'm just kind of talking between the scenes. It's a it's an experiment for this week. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see if it's something that I'll continue on with in the future. All right, so... Without further ado, let's get back into the music. Next song is going to be a glimpse of the other world. It is the wizard's theme, uh, I believe, or the wizard. Basically, when you're introduced to the wizard dude. Uh, I don't even think of... I forget if he has a name. But yeah, we'll listen to a glimpse of the other world, and then we'll listen to the Star Drop Saloon. Again, thank you so much for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss, and this is Lag Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Lag Radio here with Marmar the Midboss. We are covering Stardew Valley, and we have discussed the soundtrack. We've discussed the history and development. Let's go into the story, all right? So the story of this game, there is a little. There isn't a whole lot. I will be honest with you and be very upfront about it. There isn't a whole lot to go on, but I think that that's actually kind of what uh, Eric was trying for when he was making this game, Eric Brony. So the story begins with you at your grandfather's deathbed. And he tells you that when you decide to break free or that you need to break from the monotony of life and you want to strive for something a little more than the daily grind, 
he says, open up this letter that I'm giving to you, okay? But only then. Don't open it before then. Now, we assume at that point, as the, as the audience, we assume at that point he probably passes away because it cuts to a totally different place. And now we see you as a character. Uh, cuts to you in what seems to be like a dead-end, pencil-pushing, cubicle job at a warehouse owned by this corporate giant called Joja. And their logo looking kind of conspicuously similar to Amazon, if you ask me. But you are sitting there at your desk just doing business work repetitive tasks that you probably don't care for whatsoever, but you're getting paid for so you can eat that month. And you decide that you're going to open the letter to Grandpa. You find yourself drawn to it within one of the drawers in your desk. And without much hesitation, you finally crack open the seal and enclosed within the letter is the deed to the Grandpa's farm, located in, of course, the titular Stardew Valley, on what's just referenced as the southern coast. He says he intended to give it to you so that you could start a new life. He wishes you good luck, and he proclaims that he knows you'll honor the family's name. He gives you one last final sign-off, love, Grandpa, and that's it. From there, you take a bus out to the countryside, go to Stardew Valley's Pelican Town, and you meet one of the locals, Robin, as well as the Mayor Lewis. They show you your grandpa's old farm, and of course, because it's been so many, I think we assume years since uh, your grandpa passed, it's in, you know, it's in pretty bad shape. It's got trees everywhere, it's got rocks everywhere, and weeds, all manner of debris that's just going to make your life difficult. But you're given also a little journal that you can use for quests, and you find that the first one that you need to do, the first one you can mark off on the journal, is to introduce yourself to 28 residents of Pelican Town. And with that, you're off. That's it. Absolutely it. The story is whatever you want it to be, okay? So if you want to, if you see yourself, your character, as the sort of person who would spend their time on their farm every now and again going into town, going to the saloon at the end of the day, getting some beers, giving some beers, you can do that. If you envision your character as more of this miner that's just going to be like a like a cave dweller, work all day, get exhausted, come back home, go back to the mines, probably make a lot of money doing it, you can do that too. If you'd rather build up some sort of, uh, you know, livestock horde of cows and chickens, and I guess they're probably not a horde, right? They probably like names like a herd, right? A herd of cows. Uh, I don't know what the plural is of chickens, but that one, plural of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you've got total freedom of doing that. It's however you want to play the game. So the story is kind of what you make it. Now, obviously, there are some big focuses in the game. Uh, some of the focuses include farm life itself. I think that there's some some stories and lessons that you could probably extrapolate with regards to resisting the influence of technology in some ways while also incorporating it too. Because, for example, there are... Uh, a number of, of items in there that are part of modern technology, right? You've got a TV in your house, right, to begin with. You can build things like sprinklers, like a sprinkler system. You can build a mayonnaise machine. But in the technology side of things, there is no cell phone. There is no internet. You have your TV that basically just delivers to you three channels at most during a given day. It gives you a TV for channel for the weather, 
tells you what the weather is going to be like tomorrow. You've got a TV channel for uh, the spooky daily psychic reading thing that tells you how lucky you're going to be pretty much, like how the spirits are. And uh, then sometimes there's also this cooking show that'll sometimes give you uh, recipes. Sometimes there'll be recipes that you've already seen, like a rerun sort of cooking show. And other times there'll be a, a helpful tips thing for growing your farm. Another big message of the game is fighting corporatism, supporting local businesses. That's the, the Joja Corporation side of things I was talking about. Because in the town, you've got uh, Joja Corporation's warehouse that you can go to. And interestingly, I, something I really liked about this, when you go into any area of the game, basically, there's this music, right? The music that we've been playing throughout the show this evening. You're hearing this music, this fun, bubbly stuff sometimes, this ambient, very atmospheric stuff. Joja Mart is the only place, I think, in the game that you walk into and all you hear is just the humming of machines, like lights, just silence, just dead. And I think that that's, I mean, I think everything in the game is, is handpicked and, and delivered for a reason. And surely the reason why for Eric was he wanted to just give across this idea that the corporate life is a is a dead one. It's a, it's a heartless one. And you go into a local business and you're going to be supporting these real people right in front of you that probably don't see a lot of a lot of people come through and buying their wares. And they know that you can probably buy it cheaper from the bigger business too, but it just doesn't have the same heart, doesn't have, have the same feel. And yeah, I really enjoyed that about the story, about, about the message with Stardew Valley. It made me definitely want to go out to more local businesses, check out more local food eateries and... Um, Definitely wouldn't want to get my flowers from like Vaughn's or Albertson's or, or somewhere like that. I'd rather get them from a, a local nursery, you know, not even necessarily a big franchise like Armstrong, but just a local little mom and pop owned place. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that part of the story. What what little there is, I guess, in the game. There also are cutscenes. I should mention that there are some short cutscenes here and there, depending on how you treat the uh, the townsfolk, if you befriend them and how much you befriend them, you arrive into different areas of the city and you'll see little cutscenes that'll give you better indicators into their personality and some of the strife and struggles that they go through. I know at least one of the characters was very much a fan favorite because he uh, struggles with autism and uh, yeah he was a pretty decent reflection of what it is to live with autism from what I understand. So um, yeah Eric definitely didn't I think he had said in some of his interviews he didn't want to make this like a game about mental health but he was very happy that the characters that he crafted go into that discussion and are able to to do so in in a not a disrespectful manner. So, it's going to just about do it for the story. There's not a whole lot again like I said, the end of the 3 years uh of the of the game. Technically you're given more than 3 years, but at the end of the 3 years Grandpa is supposed to come back in some way, shape, or form. I don't know how. I haven't gotten that far in the game. I've played 30 hours, but I've only gotten through half of the first year. That should tell you how much time it's going to take to get there. But at the end of the three years, Grandpa is supposed to somehow return and judge based on uh, judge your farm and judge you based on how well you did over the three years. So um, there is kind of an ending, but also not. So just know that. Feel free to call in in the next 
Uh, probably in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to be asking you folks to call in and win our giveaway. So 949-824-5824 is the number you're going to want to call when I tell you to. 949-UCI-KUCI, and you'll be able to win this super sweet Stardew Valley Fair poster. Um, basically like a fake poster for the Stardew Valley Fair that event that happens in the fall in the game. You can check it out on fangamer.com as well as on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash lagliferadio. And without further ado, let's get into some more music. So we're going to listen next to Summer Tropicala, and then after that it's going to be the Spirits Eve Festival. So I hope you enjoy it. Again, thank you so much for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss, and this is Lag Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Lag Radio here with me, Marmar the Midboss, here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and live, of course, on KUCI.org, streaming 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm also right now on Twitch at twitch.tv slash DJ underscore Marmar, that you can join me there. All right, so we're talking Stardew Valley this evening. We're going to be going through one last final section before I close up the evening with some more music from the game. Uh, from himself, Concerned Ape, Eric Baroni. Let's talk about the gameplay. First off, holy crap. Okay, this game is addictive. This game is hella addictive, all right? I have not experienced the degree of how addictive this is since, uh, like, playing Persona 3 or Persona 4 or Civilization 4. Like, this is such an unending thing. Oh my goodness, all right? I find myself thinking about this game and planning the next few, like, in-game days while I'm at work, just working on tasks, all right? I think about, like, which characters I want to give items to so I can improve my relationship with them. I'm thinking about what buildings I want to construct to further, you know, develop my burgeoning pastoral empire, uh, Stardew Valley is, to me right now, especially after 30 hours within the past week, it is love. Stardew Valley is life. Stardew Valley is less of a game and more of this, like, lengthy relationship that you just always want to see move into the next stage. And really, when I mentioned Civilization just a moment ago, I mentioned it in part because it has this mentality, like, uh, that the Civilization series has, which is this one more day or one more turn thing it's almost like a like a joke like an inside joke or a meme for people to play the games because it's just the way that it's designed it makes it so hard to stop playing what happens is is with the stardew valley in particular you'll get the beginning of your day you wake up you've got a full hopefully a full pail of water it's time to water your your crops if you don't have sprinkler system set up you water your crops then if you've got like a barn you go over to the barn and you check out your chickens and you say hello to your chickens so that they improve your relationship or you say hello to your cat your pet cat you go inside the chickens coop you grab the eggs and for me at least what i do since you can sell the eggs for like typically about 50 to 80 gold which isn't a whole lot you're kind of breaking even with the price of hay instead you pop them into mayonnaise machines and you make mayonnaise which will sell for upwards of 200 gold each you go into the barn that you probably have a cow in go to the cow, you get the milk, and you could just use the milk and sell that because it sells for a fair amount, but then you can also put it in a cheese machine and make cheese with the milk. And then after all you're done with that, there's probably new weeds in the farm, so you probably want to clear out some of the weeds. You might want to chop down some more trees if you haven't already, make some more space, crack some more rocks open, make some more space in your farm. If you're done with all of that, 
probably you've already done a little bit of uh, of harvesting your crops. You're going to have some empty spots of plot now in your farm. You're going to want to fill it back up, so you got to go get seeds if you don't already have a collection of seeds built up. So then you got to go to Pierre's in the town. So you go into the town, get some seeds, and it's just this this constant, like you you have constant stuff going on, and it's so engaging, and it sounds from an outside perspective like, what? What is this? Like, what? No way. I would not... I would not want to probably play this. This is probably so boring. But you get into it and you find that before long, it's already 5 a.m. and you need to go to work in two hours. And uh, yeah, you've been running off of almost no sleep once you actually get into into your job. And then when you wake up to your job, it's like, dang, all I can think about now is Stardew Valley. It'll make you want to call off of work. It's so addictive. And it's just, it's so good. Now, a big part of the game, big part of the original concept is freedom, having the freedom. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. This is something that Harvest Moon was built upon, was giving you this freedom as a player to just live life as you want to. And it's here as well. You know, the whole thing about this game is that you make your own goals. You can choose if you want to sell vegetables and fruits that you grow. You can choose instead to, instead of selling them, to give them to townsfolk to improve your relationships. You know, if you've got a field that isn't pumped full of weeds and stumps and rocks, you can make a field of food to grow, or you can also use it to construct a barn, you know, construct a chicken coop or a horse stable, something that's going to improve just your ability to just run around throughout the town better. Do you want to fish all day long? Are you more of a fan of fishing minigames? Not a lot of people are, but if you are, then you can do that. You can choose to live just as a fisher, basically, for the entire game. Now, you, if you're a more of a miner sort, you can just dig into the mines, become a mole for mole person for all of your life, and and get, basically do this until you run the risk of collapsing. That's your choice as well. There's totally this freedom in Stardew Valley that a lot of games don't have, a lot of linear games p- being put out these days. So highly recommend Stardew Valley for that reason. And another message in part of the gameplay that meant a lot to me is this idea of delayed gratification. You know, in this day and age, we're so used to things being instant, being constant. Like you're on your phone, you pop open Facebook and you're expecting people to have new updates and you're doing this on Twitter or whatever. Like you've got this constantly, you are being able to be gratified, right? Because you've got this little device that's right here in your pocket at all times. With Stardew Valley, totally different. Everything takes time. It teaches you patience. You've got crops that grow after 8 days, after 12 days, after 14 days in in game time. You've got fishing where instead of fishing where it's just like you throw out your rod, as soon as something like wiggles on it, you press a button and immediately you get the fish. Instead, you have to fight that fish. There's this little mini game where there's this bar that slides back and forth up and down and you have to kind of like tap a button so that it keeps the fish in this bar. And when they're outside of the bar, slowly it, it gets weaker and weaker, like your ability to keep control of the rod until it possibly will break free. So you have to be patient. With building new structures, as soon as you buy a chicken coop, as soon as you buy a barn, what do you think is going to happen? You think the barn and the coop is going to be built right away? Oh, no. The person that, that is in charge of all of this structure building, she says, all right, I'll start work on it tomorrow morning. It's going to be done in the next few days. And it takes a few days to get to that point. But since you've made these goals in your head of, like, I need to get X more money or get the items that I need to further my relationship faster with the person that I want to woo and eventually marry, or you want to complete these bundles of items that these magical Junimo sprite-like creatures 
want so that you can resurrect the Pelican Town Community Center, you know, whatever your goals are in your head, those are the things that further your one more day mentality. Because at the end of the day, you'll put, you know, things away that you'll sell, that you've decided you wanted to sell, you don't want to keep anymore. And you think about, all right, what's going to happen in the next day? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm a little bit closer to reaching the bottom of the mines, which is part of one of my quests to do. Or, you know, my coop is two more days away from being completed. Then I'll finally be able to buy those chickens and see how much money I can make off of those chickens. There's so much of this constant addictive gameplay nature in it. And at the same time, it's addictive, but it's also so relaxed. It's so just like chill, take it easy. Mind kind of turns off in some ways. It goes into this auto mode. It's so fun. It's such a good game, gameplay-wise, soundtrack-wise, art-wise, the development story, just hearing about how Eric rose from being this college graduate, recent college graduate with no full-time prospects into what he is now, which is a multimillionaire that doesn't even have to worry about corporatism and, and living that traditional job life ever again. It is an amazing game. And the fact that it sold more than big games like Dark Souls 3 and, and uh, Call of Duty, I think even the year that it came out, says says a lot, speaks volumes about its its quality and, uh, yeah, the passion that was put into it. Now, we are just about done with the show for the discussion part. So what I'm going to ask now is if you are interested in winning the free giveaway tonight, feel free to call in 949-824-5824 at this time, 949-UCI-KUCI. I will pick up the phone and tell you if you won or not. You will win a uh, Stardew Valley Fair poster. It's official merchandise from Fangamer.com and also from... Um, you, well, you can go and check out my website for a picture of it, too. So facebook.com slash radio. But it's super cool. It's basically just like this mock-up design of what the Stardew Valley, Ver, Valley Fair po- like would actually probably create a poster for to, to advertise it around town. So go and call in now if you are interested. 949-UCI-KUCI, and it will be yours. Again, I am Marmar the Midboss here. We are Lag Radio. We're going to continue listening to music. Next up is Mines icicles, and then some songs from winter. Thank you for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss here with Lag Radio. <laughs>